Hello friends, welcome back to our six-week Skillful Living teaching series. My name is Venerable Tarpa, and like always, before we begin, let's take a moment to appreciate our handsome, wonderful, and intelligent Sangha gathered here today. Today I feel fortunate to sit as a member of this kind community in the safety and security of like-minded friends, sharing the present moment with others dedicated to the cultivation of goodness. Today, I'm grateful for the direction and support that this community provides, a community worthy of my time and commitment, a community where my efforts have meaning, purpose, and are appreciated. Today, I'm thankful for this community of awakening, a place to gain the knowledge and skills to improve my life, a family, a home, and a sanctuary for all of us seeking refuge from the storm. And let's remember, as conscientious practitioners, we must recognize our responsibility to the world, to strive to live skillfully while helping others to do the same, to strive to live in balance and harmony with nature and others, to strive to gain mastery over our minds and embody our true benevolent nature, to expand our hearts and minds, transcending our shared human limitations, to not intentionally harm sentient life or our planet, and to maturely accept and embrace the reality of our situation while striving to improve it. Again, welcome to our program. This is the sixth and final week of our Skillful Living program and the twelfth and final class. Um, this week we are going to be exploring, uh, I'm sorry, I should be say, I should say, today we, should, we are going to be exploring the practice of shining. Uh, but before we do that, let's take just a moment to review what we learned in our last class. Yesterday, we addressed the, uh, the, the pinnacle of all questions. I'm sorry, my mouth isn't working today. I want to see if I can get it going. Pinnacle was kind of tripping me up a little there. Yesterday, we addressed the pinnacle of all questions. What is the meaning of life? Oh, that's the big one, isn't it? The importance of understanding this question uh, is actually what establishes our model of reality. It, uh, it, it, it establishes our hopes and fears and our aims. We talked about the Buddhist view of the universe, which is quite different than other religions, and I think quite beautiful, that Buddhism posits a natural universe existing within uh, natural principles, uh, much in the same way science looks at the universe. Buddhism doesn't believe that there's any mysticism or supernatural powers that control our destinies or the universe itself. It, it exists naturally in a state of cause and effect. And, uh, and they believe in all the same principles that we, would, that we do in the West, uh, uh, gravity and all the rest. Um, so, uh, and including the fact that Buddhists, Buddhists believe uh, they don't believe in a conscious universe, that consciousness is only available, only exists within a mind. Along with that, and because of that, there's no universal meaning to life, meaning that we choose, we have the freedom to choose for ourselves what we do with our lives and what life means to us. The, our existence in every moment is the true miracle of life itself. What you do with it is up to you. You have complete freedom to do that. Uh, the Buddha asserted that awakening to be the true consummation and purpose of life. And, and that awakening is awakening to your true value, your true potential, and your true nature. And of course, understanding the meaning of life is key to understanding right view in Buddhism. It's the center, the center jewel there for understanding right view, which we've been talking about exploring, uh, cultivating, and encouraging throughout the whole Skillful Living program. Developing right view or the correct perspective of the true nature of oneself and reality is the Buddhist path itself. 
And the direct realization of it is awakening, is final awakening, is final enlightenment. Does anybody have any questions about yesterday's topic? How did you feel about the idea that there's no ultimate meaning to life? I think it's a little shocking to some. Hi, Chantal, good to see you. I think it's a little shocking to some. Oh my goodness, there's no meaning of life. What does that mean? And other people were commenting on that they felt freed from the idea of the pressures that we live up to. You have to live life in a certain way where when you really understand the idea, we're, we're freeing you from all that from all the cultural baggage, from all the conditioning. Life is, like your life is yours. And what you do with it is yours alone. It's up to you. And permission from your parents, you know, of course. <laughs> and your teachers, right? Yeah, okay, good. I have good students. What about the idea of consciousness only existing in the mind? That was also a little disturbing to some that, you know, especially growing up in the West, I was a good Catholic boy. You're brought up to always believe there's something up there looking down here, whether you call that a God or if it's universal consciousness, there's always some force that either smiles upon you or terrorizes you depending on your actions, which is not karma, by the way. Karma has nothing to do with external forces. Because Buddhism asserts that consciousness can only exist in our mind, that there is no consciousness out there, just in our minds. Buddhism also asserts that karma can only exist within minds. It can affect your life in physical ways, but karma exists only in minds. When we, when we think about, when we look up and we think, well, I hope that karma is, comes back good or not bad, um, it's not out there. Karma's in here. Karma's in our, in our minds and in our hearts. Sangpo or Sangmo? Um, yeah, I think probably one of the things that um, comes to mind when I think about the fact that there's no consciousness, no sort of higher being or, you know, um, is liberation. You know, there is a, you know, feeling that, you know, you're not worrying about something that, isn't necessarily there, you know, the, the idea that, you know, you worry about hell or you worry about if you're not a good Catholic or if you're not a good churchgoer or if you don't follow the, you know, somehow, you know, you're, you're, you're evil or you're this or you're that, all these various different things that are used to tie you in, uh, the bind, you know, the, the peer pressure and everything else. And I know it's probably different in America than it is here to a certain degree, but um, I just feel that the, the ability to shake off those shackles and to actually understand that, you know what, you know, I, I live in a world, a natural world, you know, a world, you know, and what I'm doing here is actually working out my part, where I fit into that. And, you know, for, for me, that's quite liberating. Beautifully, beautifully said. And um, uh, I just wanted to make something clear that Buddhism posits this natural universe. Traditional Buddhism still believes in the idea of heaven and hell. It's kind of funny, when I became a Buddhist, I, it, took, it took me a long time to give up those thoughts of heaven and hell. And then when I got into Buddhism deeper, I realized that it was there, it was there as well. And I thought, what's going on? I thought I was done with this whole idea of heaven and hell. And, um, but secular Buddhists, we don't, uh, we don't necessarily, it's well, it's, a, it's up to each one of us what we believe in, but most secular Buddhists don't believe in this idea of, of heaven and hell, different realms of existence, right? So yeah, Sampo, I agree with you. I feel freed. It's like taking back your life, right? It's like, you know, it, could be, could, it, it might be your, our only lives, you know, who knows? And so, uh, yeah, it's empowering, isn't it? Annika? Yeah, um, do you think that uh, we, um, as people in the Western world, are sort of um, very much attached to duality so that when we try to picture 
um, acting, you know, not just uh, being existing in everyday life. And when there is no duality, that that sort of uh, uh, leaves us with nothing to hang on to in a way so that everything is up to you <laughs> all the time or because when i try to explain to people about there not being duality in uh, secular buddhism it's kind of hard to explain <laughs> well, it's a bit of a it's thing. it's a bit of a tough topic this idea of non-duality non-duality exists in tantric buddhism as well but traditionally buddhism is dualistic that, that that idea of non-dual isn't part of Buddhism. It's actually a part of the uh, um, uh, Vandanta uh, Hinduism um, belief system. Um, nowadays, it's very popular. I don't, it, it really depends on what we talk about. It's a very complicated word. You have to be clear about what you see as dualistic. Like I, I, see, I see life as, as everything's existing in spectrums. But I see the dualistic ends of those spectrums. The Buddha, the Buddha was definitely a dualist. Uh, now, as, as far as seeing external dualism, like the universe isn't dualistic. Dualism only exists in a mind, right? Because it's an aspect of thinking, of evaluating, of judging, discerning. Only a mind can apprehend dual, uh, the dualistic aspects of life. And uh, there is a point where... Uh, we, we, mm, I want to be careful with my words. We can rise above binary thinking of this and that and recognize the spectrum, right? This is higher thinking. And, and this is what a lot of people learn in Buddhism. There was a point where it, it fell away from me and I started to see the spectrum of things in front of me instead of the binary, black and white, yes and no, right and wrong, right? So some might say that that's kind of a, a, a non-dual kind of a thing, but even every spectrum is, is, a, is dualistic in a sense. So a really complicated topic, but uh, thank you for bringing it up, Anika. Chantal? I'm wondering where does um, mystery fit into the natural sort of universe? Mystery only exists within a mind. It's the mind's inability to know. So the universe has no mystery. Huh. The natural universe is just they do it. Everything's doing its thing, and of course they're not conscious, so they don't understand either. There's no mystery. There's no knowledge. It's just particles interacting, right? And so that's within us. And mystery is is what we don't understand yet. As as agnostics in secular Buddhism, we embrace the mystery because one of the afflictions humans have is the need to know. And we need to know so badly, we'll believe anything or make up anything. Hmm. I saw a demon behind that bush talking to your daughter, <laughs> I knew, whatever it is, right? And so to embrace the mystery is to let go of the compulsive need to know every single answer, like I possess. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I should get a couple questions wrong, so I don't. I don't feel like I'm a know-it-all, right? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'd like to move on. Questions? Yeah, please. Uh, okay. The, the first topic, which was um, about there being no ultimate meaning to life, and uh, that being Buddhist perspective. No uh, ultimate meaning to life. Right. Well, I'm a, I'm a little lost as to what the difference is between nihilism and Buddhism, then. I don't see oh. different. Oh, we're just, Buddhism posits there is meaning of life. There's just not an ultimate meaning of life. Plurality. The meaning of life is up to you. You are a meaning-making machine. So it's not nihilistic. And nihilistic would mean, again, getting into non-dual, that there isn't good and bad. There's no point in doing anything. Nihilism is a completely different thing. Here we're saying quite the opposite of nihilism. We're saying that there is meaning and I'm in charge of all of it. And I can do anything with my life that I wish. Okay, there is a form of nihilism called optimistic nihilism, where you actually <laughs> yeah, take that approach, really? so I think they are the same, but yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, they come the up other... they come up with something for everything, don't they? <laughs> optimistic nihilism, that's, that's the right. strangest so... term. 
Yeah, so you actually, it's, it's for each person to find their own meaning in life. And so it is kind of, on that basis, I kind of see similarity. I would still say no, I would say no. The word nihilism doesn't have a place in Buddhism. Buddhism is often thought of the, the not the opposite of it, but the middle way between nihilism and absolutism. Okay, well, the other question I have is um, about phenomena. You were, yeah. you were talking about um, all the phenomena being in the mind, but I mean, is, isn't all phenomena in the mind? We can't prove there's anything out there. You can't say if you touch something or you see something, where do you perceive it? Because it's all, all perception is in the mind, right? So all yeah. phenomena. Uh, a very deep topic. I don't think I have time for it here. But okay. I'll, 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 you can read about that in my text, Tibetan Buddhist Essentials, Volume 2. But the idea is, no, Buddhism believes in real phenomena, the things exist, and, uh, and, the, and the Buddha did as well. Um, there's conceptual phenomena, in, there's internal phenomena, and there's external phenomena. Buddhism believes in both. Okay. Okay, that's, but that's a great... Takes May, place in the mind, but okay, thank you. <laughs> well, it's a conceptual action, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not there. I'm not there to hit you with the stick, Scott. <laughs> yeah. If I was there to hit you with the stick, you would say, "Ah, phenomena is real," and I don't <laughs> like it. But here, uh, we're just speaking across the uh, internet, so it's yeah. We only have conceptual thought here. But yeah, we'll okay. get back. That's a great conversation I have with all my philosopher friends, and. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a favorite one of mine, but we'll, we'll share that at another time. Thank you. There is a page on Facebook called Cheerful Nihilism. Love it. Okay, got to get back to, got to get back to the, our program today. Um, anyways, let's get into our first teaching. So um, we're, we're going to be digging into the practice of shining. Strap up your boots, laces, you're in for a treat. This is a great, great practice. This is my main practice day and night. Uh, everything we've learned in this teaching series so far comes together in today's practice of shining. What's shining? It's the outpourer, outpouring and radiating of all our benevolent qualities, our skills, <clears throat> our abilities, our intelligence, our maturity, <clears throat> our <laughs> There's a big list of them all, um, of of all the all the wonderful qualities we have, and and all the things that we can do. Shining arises from right view and appreciation. Um, shining arises from when we say right view, we mean the proper understanding of our true value, our true potential, and our true nature. Shining arises when you when you start to really understand on an ex experiential level who and what you are, how you exist in the world, and, and, and your relationship to reality. And appreciation is one of the great qualities to, to uh, facilitate shining. When you really appreciate those qualities I just talked about, your true value potential and nature, we shine almost, almost uh, naturally. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, um, the origin of the practice I've mentioned before when we talked about, uh, uh, when we were giving bodhisattva vows, that when I first took bodhisattva vows, my teacher, <clears throat> uh, well, I was a very uh, over-enthusiastic bodhisattva student, and, you know, the bodhisattva is a person who takes a vow to awaken for the benefit of all sentient life, quite a grand uh, aim in life. Nevertheless, I was over over enthusiastic, and I used to uh, do all kinds of things to try to help people, and and I would carry a gas can in my car in case people needed help, and I was going to save the world. And my teacher heard about it, and um, and uh, chuckled at the idea. And when I when I asked about it, I said, oh, "Am I doing it? Am I doing something wrong?" And uh, he said, "No, not at all." Um, it's just that bodhisattvas don't operate in this way. Uh, bodhisattvas' intentions aren't so linear. And what I mean by linear is that, you know, for me as a bodhisattva, I'm going to do this 
to get this effect, so I get this kind of a result for it. It's all planned and strategized, and this is the, this is the way I do things. For the Bodhisattva, it's different. Their intentions are intuitive and spontaneous. They merely attend to whatever needs to be attending to. They, they, uh, <clears throat> they. Sh How do I want to say this? Um, they, they just, uh, they abide in the world, and they let all of their benevolent qualities, all their skills, all their intelligence, wisdom, maturity, they let it all just, just shine from them. And whatever needs to be attended to just automatically kind of happens. So they're prepared, and when something is needed, they attend to it. But they don't sit there and think about all the things that they have to do, or generally not. They're, clearly, a bodhisattva can still plan their lives. But just the intention, their whole life becomes a practice of generosity. Every breath they take, every food, all the food they eat, all the things they do, they're just always waiting in anticipation to benefit others, right? So, so, in my, in my, so it, according to my teacher, he says, bodhisattvas just shine. And when I heard that, it made quite an impression on me. And I started to practice this thing, shining. It was the first time I'd heard of it, you know. And, um, and it became my, one of my main practices. Years later, I actually turned it into a practice for others. And uh, here in SBT Skillful Living, we share it. So this is a, a, an original practice of SBT, and it's the practice of shining. So what qualities do we shine? Again, we talked about goodness, beauty, joy, skills, talents, our potential. Um, we, we shine in our enthusiasm, our vitality, our confidence. We shine in our work, our interactions, our understanding, kindness. We shine in humor. We shine in our fun. Shining, though, is more than just merely kind of a sweet or nice quality. Oh, how nice. They're all shining. What nice people. Shining can be ferocious. Shining, shining can be serious. We, we can shine with our maturity, our integrity, our strength, our courage, self-discipline. Think about those freedom fighters shining with courage and integrity and righteousness, right? So shining shouldn't be seen as this nice, sweet thing. In fact, sometimes I thought maybe shining is the wrong word. Maybe radiating is, is more neutral, but we, we like the word shining. Um, and, and the most important thing about shining, as far as the name goes, our true nature, our true benevolent nature, is one of all these wonderful good qualities. So they, when you <clears throat> meditate and you get into deep levels of practice, when you become a, 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 a serious practitioner, these qualities start to just naturally shine from you. You know, we talked in many of our practices how I simply deconstructed practices and turned them around to see if I could make a shortcut to some of the more advanced uh, uh, applications and experiences. And it's true here with this. You'll find someone like the Dalai Lama. He, I mean, he just lights the room. You'd swear somebody turned on light switches when he enters the room. And we all know people like this, right? But these great practitioners, they just naturally shine. But, um, but authentic uh, uh, shining is always virtuous. You know, shining can be ferocious, but it's always virtuous. That freedom fighter is on the side of goodness, right? That person that steps up to, to stop an angry, uh, angry person from hurting someone else, that's virtuous. That man that jumps in the river to save the baby, that's virtuous. Or the woman. Authentic shining possesses a natural radiance, presence, uh, charisma, or magnetism. We all shine. 
again, a, a lot of these, a lot of these practices we've shared in, in skillful living, I always point out, you know, you're already doing it, but you just don't know you're doing it. And again, like the four, the four steps of acceptance, I kept saying over and over again, you know, you're all kind of doing it. We're just kind of streamlining it and helping you with it. The same is true with shining. We all shine. Where, when do we shine? We shine on our birthdays, right? When they're lighting the candles and singing the song, our faces get red, we all shine. We shine when we win or achieve in life. We shine during our first kiss. We shine when we feel attractive, right? When you're going out with some friends and you, oh, you really think you feel you look good today. The hair is just right. The new shirt is fitting you just right. Everyone shines on their wedding day, right? How about the birth of a child? Oh, my goodness. Everyone in the room shining, huh? Even the poor mother who's just been through a battle zone with giving birth, she shines with it, all right? We shine when we perform, right? Whether you're a musician, an actor, anything we do, we shine when we perform. And most importantly, this one everybody will know, we shine when we're in love, right? <laughs> right, don't we? When someone's in love, you know, it seems like everyone around that person knows it without, without hearing anything. What's going on? There's something going on with you. You know, and we can really pick up that radiance, that shining. We can see it in a person, right? And um, in simpler ways, we shine when we're happy, you know? <laughs> right now, I feel like I'm shining, you know, when, I, when, when we're laughing, right? Especially one of those good old-fashioned belly laughs when you see something so funny, you lose all self-control and you just laugh really strongly. And we also shine when we're truly inspired. You know, whether you, you're, you're inspired in work or in play and parenting, when we're really inspired by something, we shine. And you can feel the energy that comes from shining. When you're inspired about doing something and you really you know, have that confidence, you can feel that energy that comes along with it. And we talk about working with our defined minds, default mindset quite a bit here. And here, shining can also become an aspect of our default mindset. As we practice it, and as we habituate it, slowly, you know, we, we practice it up here intensely, but what we don't know is it, the, the effects of it drip down to our default mindset. And slowly the default mindset naturally just becomes more and more of that quality. And you can get to the point that makes a famous actress or actor, but she's got it. I just got a note saying my internet connection is yeah, a little... Yeah, we lost you for a good 30 seconds. Where did you lose me? I don't know. <laughs> Can anybody mention the last thing I said? Oh, great job. You were all really paying attention. <laughs> um, I'll start with the default mindset. So we work with our default mindset and we can work with shining in that same way. We can uh, work with shining at this level and, and, and incorporate it in our, in our lives and slowly the effects of that drip down to our default mindset. And we can make shining an actual part of our default mindset that even when we're not thinking about it, we have this radiating quality of shining. Um, and, um, and so uh, you probably know people that naturally shine. And I think uh, in Hollywood, they often talk about this when they're doing auditions and they're uh, for actresses and actors, and they they say, I don't know what the quality that makes a famous person, but 
she's got it, whatever that it is, she's got it. And I think what that it is shining, that some people shine when they, when they enter a room and that is so magnetizing to others. So like soft shining is the quality of our engagement with life, right? And softness is a lovely aspect of shining to not do it brutally, but we want to shine in a soft, gentle, natural way. Shining isn't intellectual. It's a felt experience. You can't try to do it conceptually. And it's an act of generosity. Shining arises from our altruism, our generosity. Some might ask, is shining real? You know, or, or the question of shining versus false positivity. Are we really just creating a false positivity? And the answer is no, because like always, our practice of shining and our Buddhist path is always grounded in deep understanding. It's grounded in deep exploration of our minds. We never turn away from anything. We explore all of it. <clears throat> shining can affect external results. So when we say, is it real? You'll find when you practice it, People respond to it in, in really big ways. And, um, and I do believe that learning to shine, it can change your life forever, right? Okay. A couple of questions. Can you envision a time that you've shined naturally? You yourself? I gave you a bunch of them. Let's see who was paying attention. <laughs> yeah, definitely when we got married, that was for sure. Yeah, I do, I do, I do get that. Mind you, I also had a few whiskeys, so. Um, <laughs> With a good buzz, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Yes, oh, Pasang, you have a question or oh, please? No, it was. Uh, a thumbs up, an applaud. Answer to your question for when when I shine. Most of the time when I perform, I shine. I would say. Of course. Yes. Most of you are shining right now and don't notice it. Mm. Remember that shining is it's not an on or off. It's it's an it's a spectrum. Remember our intensity dial. I think all the members of the Sangha shine. At least you shine more than you did when you started. I knew all of you when you started, you were all shining more. You know, as we become happy, as we become joyful, right? As life becomes more satisfying, as we become more content, we shine. As we move down the path, we shine. You could say Buddhism is a path of shining. I'm guessing that the Buddha was pretty amazing in shining. Well, Ayanika says when she teaches or gives presentations, performing, that's right. When she looks at her son, that's lovely. Yeah, when you're in love, when you're laughing. Okay, everybody. So um, I would like to move to our next uh, part of our talk, the actual practice of shining and how to shine. So uh, for many of you that have taken our 10-week uh, meditation and mindfulness program, we teach uh, a bit of shining in that, and we call it radiating awareness. And we teach you kind of how to do it within meditation. And that's the beginning of it. The class you're taking now is a more advanced version of that radiating awareness. So that's what we're going to do now. So if this sounds a little familiar to some of them, that's exactly why. Shining naturally arises from the clarity, appreciation, and goodness that arises from our direct experience of our true value, true potential, and true nature or right view. It then radiates from us as an attitude or a spirit towards life. However, when we shine through the 10 tenets of the skillful uh, living lifestyle, um, uh, this is one of the great ways to practice shining. 
and it's uh, <clears throat> which is the basic uh, basic tenets of awakened living, right? We can shine through those. Shining is again is a felt experience. You don't think about shining; you just shine. Shining is only possible through a positive, open, and non-judgmental attitude. Shining cannot arise in the face of cynicism, egotism, self-doubt, or strong expectations or an outcome of events. It takes a certain level of courage, trust, and confidence to shine. And I got something here for you. The felt experience of shining. Shining feels warm and expansive, as if being a shining sun, a feeling that extends and radiates beyond our physical boundaries, a spacious state of joyful contentment imbued with soft confidence and a heightened and peripheral sense of awareness. Worries and petty concerns dissolve as our benevolent true nature arises and radiates. This is an experience that is rejuvenating, energizing, and life-affirming, filled with hope, enthusiasm, and positivity, an experience in which all of our potential of life is revealed and made accessible to us. Oh, that's a lot to live up to. Who wrote that? Man. <laughs> so, once you have a basic working understanding of right view and realize and accept the miracle of your existence at every moment, all there is to do in life is to shine, right? Once you understand you are the bird, you are the flower, there's no embellishment needed. There's nothing needed to, you don't have to validate your existence. You don't have to prove to others your worth. Once you get to that point and you realize that, you're free. This is a, a deep state of awakening. And it, you're, you're accepting that there's the miracle of, of your existence in this moment, like we did in our appreciation class. You realize that, well, what do I do? The only thing there is to do is shine. Shine with your joy and your love and your care for others. Shine in your helping, in helping others, your altruism, really. Yeah. Okay, remember that all of our skillful living practices require both skill and wisdom. Uh, you have to know when to apply them, in what situations, and always remember our intensity knob, right? There's times that you don't want to shine so bright. Uh, walking down a dark alley, maybe visiting, I used to say visiting a friend in the hospital, you'd want to bring it down. But then I thought, no, you just shine in a different way. You don't shine with joy and happiness because the other person's suffering. Instead, you switch and you, you shine through compassion and caring. But there are certain times where it's appropriate maybe to turn it down just a little bit. Um, I find that when I shine, shine too much, it can bug people because uh, some people don't like it when you're so happy, right? So, but that's up to you. But you have to bring wisdom in. Okay, with all of that said, I want to do a little meditation with everybody. This will be the last thing we do, right? Uh, so, like usual, let's begin by muting our audio, taking our seats and getting comfortable. Your hands can be placed on your thighs, your eyes can be closed or half open. This will be a short meditation. Begin to relax while breathing naturally through your nose. For, for many of you, this will be very uh, familiar. <clears throat> Sit in a comfortable yet alert position as if being drawn upwards by a string attached to the crown of your head. You can wrap your hips forward, accentuating the gentle inward curve of your lower back. Now for a few minutes, let's just focus on the inflow and outflow of our breath.
Take a few minutes just to slow down. And now while stabilized in meditation, let's begin by bringing our awareness from our head down into our body. For most of us, our awareness is always in our heads, right? Always behind the eyes. But here we're gonna bring that down into the body. And what we wanna do is join the mind and body at the chest. And now see if you can generate a felt sensation of a union of mind and body. Next, begin to incorporate feelings of goodness, compassion, and joy as well. at your chest. I think I had a lag in my internet. I'm going to repeat the last instructions. Now see if you can generate a felt sensation of union of mind and body at your chest. And two, that incorporate feelings of goodness, compassion, and joy as well. And continue until you gain a felt sensation of those feelings at your chest. Now, simply sit with it while intensifying and deepening the feeling. Begin to expand the feeling, increasing its size, expanding it up through the shoulders and neck and down through the stomach, while feeling it equally throughout your back. Continue to expand and intensify the feeling until it encompasses your whole being.
radiating your awareness as if being a shining sun. Begin to visualize millions of light rays infused with your goodness, compassion, and joy radiating out from you in every direction. Touching the hearts of all sentient beings everywhere. Breathe in and relax into the experience, letting your radiance envelop you, your room, and the world. Envision yourself like the bird with no need to validate its worth. Imagine yourself like the flower, complete and whole in what it is. Appreciate your own magnificence just as you are. Reflect on the freedom and potential that is available to you in every moment. Focus and see if you can glimpse the bliss that arises from this state of being. Now slowly begin to open your eyes and take a moment to observe how you feel. As you arise from your meditation, take with you into the day this shining radiance you've cultivated. And through the clear realization of the miracle of your existence in every moment, shine, shine, shine in everything you do. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Isn't that a lovely visualization? I thought I'd turn on my screen and see all the little birds flying away. Having gotten the last instructions, they all fly away in freedom. Okay, we have a couple things that are going to help you with your practice this week of shining. So in a sense, you kind of catch on that shining is just this aspect of mindfulness. It's being aware of the, of the practice, the quality, and 
and it's just practicing it. So, you know, when you're busy with things, you just bring your intensity knob down. You know, I think we can always shine. We just have to shine at different intensities, but also different qualities. Like if you're, again, if you say you're busy at work and you can't shine with joy, beauty, and contentment, but you can shine with your skills, your work skills. You can shine with your wisdom, your maturity, your patience with other coworkers. Yeah? Your, your gifts, the, 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 your talents and skills. Um, so we do have a couple of things to help you with this. Of course, we love our aspira- uh, affirmations. So we have a couple new ones here for you. And where are they? Oh, I know where they are. Here they are. And of course, these are in the, uh, okay, let's just read these. So we have an affirmation to shine. Today, I will appreciate my true value and the miracle of my existence. I will embrace awakening as the true purpose and consummation of my life. I will delight in the freedom and potential available to me in every moment. Today, I will stop struggling against reality and embrace the mystery and wonder of life. I will use my breath to ground myself in the stillness of the present moment. I will recognize, cultivate, and radiate my innate goodness in everything I do. I am the bird, I am the flower, I am that which requires no embellishment. From this realization, my awakened activity, spontaneously and effortlessly, shines forth. <laughs> Isn't that pretty? Yeah, that would come out really good. Okay, you can all, you're all going to have a copy of that. I'll post that. And then, so we, this you could you just say each morning, or as you need it, you could put it on your phone, recite it when you need. Uh, you could, I'd recommend reciting it a few times each day for this week coming up. Remember that we're all practicing together this week. This is the last class, but we're not done yet. We're all practicing together. And then we have a three breath meditation and mantra. These are a big favorite of everybody. Uh, I'm not sure if we talked about these. Yeah, we sure did. We talked about this throughout the uh, program. Um, so uh, with this, we take just, you close your eyes, you focus on the breath, and you deeply uh, contemplate these uh, these qualities in our mantra. So uh, on your, uh, also on your inhale, you say present. At the top of the inhale, you say aware. And on exhale, you say shine. You might have noticed that when we do the three breath meditations with mantra, we tend to keep the two first uh, uh, lines the same. And then we change the third one for whatever practices we're doing. I thought maybe we'd do this together. Would you all like to take a uh, center yourself, close your eyes, focus deeply on your breath, the deeper the better. And I'd like you to inhale while saying present. At the top, say aware. And on exhale, say shine. Again, present on the inhale, aware at the top, and shine on the exhale. One more time, present, aware, shine. So that'll help you to remember to practice. I'll make all those available to everybody. Vasan had a great reaction to the program. Uh, Does anybody have any questions about the practice of shining? Do you understand the practice? Good, you're all set to practice it this week? (laughs) You're all practicing already. I can see it in all your faces. Great. Okay. So um, I'd like to give some final thoughts about the Skillful Living Teaching Series and how to use your skillful living toolbox that we have assembled for you. Now you all got your toolbox full of tips and tricks and methods, and it's up to you uh, uh, how you're gonna use those. For all of us, we'll all have favorite tools. 
Well, all some tools that we don't understand so well, <laughs> we have other ones that are reliable. Some tools just work naturally with our minds better than other people's. It doesn't matter. But the one thing that I would say with, with every tool that comes out of that box, there's two qualities that work really well. The quality of shining, whatever, whatever method you're doing, shine with that method. If you're practicing the four steps of acceptance, shine with it. If you're, uh, if you're practicing appreciation, shine with your appreciation. The other quality is soft. Those are the two things. We apply all of our skills softly with a shining radiance. Um, remember that shining is generated through clarity, appreciation, and goodness that arises from the realization of right view your true value, your true potential, and your true nature. Remember to implement the full kits, you know, the full, the, the, the full uh, toolbox of skills. They only work if you apply them. They're not going to work if they're stuck in the toolbox. I want everybody to continue to honor your commitments to soft and beautiful mind, soft and beautiful speech, soft and beautiful behavior, and soft and beautiful action. That will serve you so well. Uh, for daily prayers, you've all now graduated to daily practice, skillful living level in our SBT uh, practice guide. I'll post a link to that and the audio file for it. So you can all start doing it. The uh, affirmations we shared today are in that. Remember that we are continuing to practice throughout the rest of this week. Uh, I want everybody to continue your practice of the threefold training, which includes training in goodness, understanding, and higher mental states. And of course, when challenges arise, apply your four steps of acceptance practice. The SBT Skillful Living Study and Practice Series was created to offer practitioners the basic knowledge and skills to begin to engage with the Buddhist teachings. As mentioned, we see this program as offering a toolbox of tools and skills for improving our lives and life situation. But always keep in mind that all of these skills and methods require wisdom and understanding to apply them correctly and in the proper intensity in order to uh, attain the desired result. Skillful living is just the beginning of our SBT curriculum. Our next program, uh, is going to be Secular Buddhist Essentials and will offer a, deep, a deeper presentation of the Buddhist teachings from a secular Buddhist point of view. I would like to thank you for engaging in this program and practice material. May it bring you the clarity, insight, and peace you seek. I hope you know uh, you now feel a part of the SBT community and you'll continue to learn and grow with us. Uh, it's been an honor to share the Buddha's wisdom with you. And always remember that if any questions arise from your practice, SBT and myself are always just the click away to guide and support you. Our next program uh, is going to be our, uh, well, we have two. We have a Sutra Studies course that's going on currently. Every Saturday we have that. It's open to all. You don't have to start at the beginning. You can jump on it anytime. But also in April, we're going to begin our 10-week meditation and mindfulness program. Everyone's welcome to, to, be, to join that. It's a wonderful practice to help you deepen your meditation and mindfulness skills. Um, we also mentioned at the beginning of this uh, program that uh, one of the first steps in, in really engaging with the Buddhist path is to, uh, and to, and to dig into a level of commitment is by taking refuge. And taking refuge, which we did yesterday, that's available almost monthly with SBT. Taking refuge uh, is important because you are given your first set of trainings. And in this case, you, you take a vow to uphold the 10 virtuous actions. You can read more about that on our website, sbtonline.org. Lastly, although our program text and teachings are and always will be free, 
Our group does rely on donations to, to, to continue its work. So if you've enjoyed this program and you'd like to see it remain available to others, consider making a donation at sbtonline.org. My final advice to everyone is to shine, shine, shine in all that you do. Let's end today's meditation and program with our altruistic affirmation. May all be healthy, may all be prosperous, may all be well. And I have a feeling that this prayer is gonna sound a little different today. Since now you've done all the practices, let's pay special attention to the words. May all be healthy, may all be prosperous, may all be well, may all be present free of past regret and future worry. May all abide in constant appreciation, which is the source of great joy and contentment. May all realize their true nature and the true nature of reality, which is awakening. Thanks everybody for coming. Remember, the SBT community was created for one purpose, to help and support all of you. Thanks for coming, everybody. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you so Thank much, you, Tarpa. Tarpa. You're Thank welcome. You, Tarpa. Thank you, Tarpa. Bye, everybody. You're welcome. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much, Tarpa.